We have yeah. a thing in radio called air miles. And so the longer you're on radio for, the more air miles you have. Um, and when I was trying to come through, they were like, you need to get your air miles up. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get my air miles up. I've only got a show that's, um, you know, one once, once a week on Represent. And then just out of nowhere, Represent were like, oh, we're launching a drive time show. We want you to be the drive time presenter. We'll pay for your travel. So it's uh, five days a week. In my head, I was like, okay, cool. This sounds, this is amazing. This is what I've been, thank you, universe, this is what I've been asking for. So five days a week, two hours a day, times that by, you know, two hours a day, that's 10 hours a week, times that by a month, times that by a year. If I do that, yeah, that's how many radio, radio miles, air miles are there? And I was like, that's what's going to yep. get me to where I need to get to. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is one of the UK's leading international DJs and broadcasters who has played at Sona, Eldorado, Lovebox, Abitha Rocks and many, many more, as well as hosting a weekly show on BBC Radio 1 Extra. She uses her platform to showcase new talent and earlier this year she launched her brand new record label, Future Bounce. Not only that, she's also created DIY Generation to shine a spotlight on amazing young people who are building and owning their own boss careers, highlighting women and people of colour. Welcome to the studio, Jams <laughs> Supernova! Thank you. Why am I blushing? The intro. <laughs> I, suddenly, I suddenly felt really hot. Yeah. I just wanted to like laugh and run. No, the intro is the best bit. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And people often have that reaction. They're yeah, like, is, okay, that, is, that, is that me? Yeah. About? Yeah. Making but you thank sweat. you for coming in today. I really, really appreciate having you here. And I've just been looking forward to it all week. Yeah. I've been listen- I was listening to uh, the Poppy one on the way over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like I feel ready and primed yeah. and pumped. Yeah. I love that episode. That really I kind of one. felt like I wasn't really. Um, remembering that other people were going to hear that conversation. I was just mm. staring at her. Yeah, she's listening. really charming, isn't oh, she? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Okay, so I guess to kick it off, mm. I would love, well, for you to start, really, for anyone listening who might not know much about your journey so far, mm. could you talk us through like how you got started in the industry and who influenced you the most along the way? Um, okay, so I, I, got started, oh, I got started in the industry, I'd probably say, when I left college, so I went to the Brit School, and it was kind of there that really like solidified what what I wanted to do. I kind of in school um, knew I wanted to do something around music, um, but couldn't really couldn't play an instrument or sing, you know, to that level, um, and was never going to be able to, you know, it was just the talent wasn't there basically. But I, you know, I was the person like built like always downloading music, burning CDs and things like that. And I thought, okay, I'll be, I watched a lot of MTV Bass and MTV and you know. Uh, T4 and I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a TV presenter that's what I'll, I want to do so I was like um, I'll go to the Brit school I'll do media because I'm going to meet loads of people there and then that's how it's going to happen um, and then when I went to the Brit school they had a radio studio 
And I was like, damn, I never really thought of radio. And I listen to radio all the time. It's like we, we, it's like in, in our family, you get in the car, you put the radio on, you come home, you put the radio on. And then I was like, I never really thought of that. Okay, radio, this feels much better than like TV presenting. It feels like it's got more substance. And then I felt like at the time, um, t- TV was going through this weird thing where everything was moving to YouTube, but YouTube wasn't like that powerful then. Mm-hmm. But there were, you know, if you weren't Dermot O'Leary, there was no gigs. Ah, you know, okay. and they closed T4 and things like that. So radio was kind of like, that's what I'm going to do. So I went, like, you know, focused on it all the way through college. Um, what what years were you at Brit School? So I was there um, 2008 mm-hmm. and to 2010. Right. I think and so. for, anyone no, not. for anyone who doesn't know, like the Brit School, it's kind of, well, I mean, it's amazing, but they churn out. Like you, you look yeah. at the list of people and people who always say they went to Brit School, they're like, yeah, I was there with, you know, Adele yeah. and, you know, all these, like Amy Winehouse, like all these people, like amazing British talent. But no, my year was a bit dud. <laughs> well, no. no, no, they had you jobs. Well, <laughs> no, we've got loads of people behind the scenes. That's what we've been stronger. But my year, like, we didn't have SoundCloud like that. We didn't have the internet like that. And I think the years before, mm. they had more sort of industry interest, I guess. So we did have the Amy's. Katie Beals in the year above me. That's, that's my claim to fame. I'm, yeah. I'm owning her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was 2007, sorry, to 2009. That was the, Those were the years. And then I left. I was like, I ain't going uni. I was like, I know everything. I know it all. And I don't want to study for, you know, another year. I'm raring to go um, so I just spent like a year doing work experience and I'd work in um, as a teaching assistant in schools either sort of on agency or I was working in my, in my mom's school sometimes and then in the holidays I would do work experience mm-hmm. and then I'd just jump around I'd be like you know oh who do you know like because everyone's friends with everyone yeah. and then they'd be like oh my friend works at MTV okay cool so then I'd line it up for the next uh, school holiday and then I did that and then the final uh, work placement was the BBC mm-hmm. and I really wanted to be on one extra that's all I knew from like you know 17 years old I wanted to be on one extra um, and I'd applied like three times to get an internship and didn't hear anything back and I thought I'll try just one more time I'm gonna try it um, and then I got an interview and during that time I was part of like a presenting competition with Nokia so I really thought I was like actually I don't even need this anymore <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be big got it. yeah so I walked into the interview and I just I was like I couldn't I couldn't make the first date because I've been in LA <laughs> I was like 19, I really thought. Was that true? <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, good. Yeah, it was genuinely true. I had been in LA okay. on a competition, but you know, they yeah, didn't need yeah, to know yeah. the ins and outs. You're like, I'm booked and busy. Post. I'm booked and busy, but I'll make it next week. And then I came in, I was like, yeah, I just, I just, made, I was so confident mm-hmm. in myself. Um, and then I got the internship. Amazing. And never left, and now I was 19. There's two parts of that that I love. One mm. is the persistence. So you're saying, you know, you'd applied three times mm. and heard nothing back, and you still applied again, which I think, you know, often people say, like, oh, I've tried that. I've mm-hmm. tried that. It's like, how many times yeah. did you try? Maybe yeah. you just got to try once more. And also, I love, like you said, the confidence shift that you had once you kind of went in, you know, and people get a feeling when mm-hmm. they're with people that are confident and it's difficult because it's not something you can just say to someone okay be confident, be confident now yeah but it's interesting that when you had that energy mm-hmm. and people felt that that yeah you know you secured that that internship I yeah that. and looking back I mean maybe I wasn't like I'm you know looking back I can feel that confident I can see the, that confident person maybe I, I wasn't necessarily like knowing that I was giving that off but I looking back I'm like you thought you thought you had this yeah, you know yeah. and I think in kind of looking at the rest of my career I guess there have been times when I thought I had it and I haven't had it mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get the knocks or there have been times when I think the, the most times I find myself most successful is when I don't care if I have it. Mm. And I know that sounds bizarre to say. No. It's like if I don't care if I get it either way because I know 
I know what I'm doing. There's no pressure on that. Yeah. yeah. And that's when I tend to have the leaps in, in my career. But um, the persistence, again, was sort of, again, coming through when I was at One Extra working behind the scenes. So I was an intern and I was a producer and I was there uh, five years in production. But I thought in my head, well, I get there at 19. By the time I'm 21, they're going to see the talent that I am. Then they're going to give me a show. And then, yeah, five years later, <laughs> every year they said no. They were like, no, you're not good enough. Um, no, no one knows who you are. OK, you're getting good now, but still nobody knows you. OK, now we can hear you're getting good because I was doing radio outside on a community level. Um, but, you know, we're just not what, what we're looking for right now. OK, now you're good and you have a little bit of a profile, but this person has been waiting a little bit longer. Um, and it was just like five years of no, no, no. And then, you know, it got to the point where I was kind of, I, had a, I, had a, I was producing Todd T on Radio 1 and I was the youngest producer and I was loving that because we could just come up with any idea. I'd be like, right, should we make a hip-hop documentary tonight? Like, on air. And he'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And then he would bring me out to do gigs with him. Uh, we got to go to Jamaica and things like that. And then I had a good show on Represent and that was kind of building and flying and sound. I thought I was, you know, made it on SoundCloud. I was famous <laughs> on SoundCloud. Um, and then I thought, you know what, I don't even need BBC, like, I don't even need a show on there. Maybe this is the way forward. I, I could be happy doing all these things forever. And then they got they gave me the show. Yeah, you see, again, persistence, yeah. persistence. And that's not like, you know, five years. Mm. It's a long time. It's a long time. And as you said about the rejection, I think it's often, when you're in an environment where you feel like other people are getting, getting it and mm. you're not, that's hard. And your keep, friends. Yeah, so I'm saying that's hard to keep going yeah. and being like, you know what, okay, cool, this person's got it, I didn't get it, this yeah. person's got it. And, it, you know, a lot of people, I think, then they start to build the resentment, the mm. bitterness. It's like, you know, the, oh, it's because of this, oh, it's because of that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there, there can be so many nuanced, you know, reasons reasons, mm-hmm. political, there's so many things yeah. that go on within, but you know, you stuck that out and obviously you, you know, the reward, the fruit, yeah. you got the show. Yeah, and I loved, you know, who really um, kind of, I guess, taught me a lot about um, not not being resentful, not being bitter or how, how to have grace, I think, mm. would be the best thing. Because there have been times you get resentful, but I've got good, I've got good friends, they'll be like, okay, you've had your time now, now move on. You know, you've, you've been moaning for two weeks now might be mindful of what you say you know and then people would like check you but it was actually clara clara ampho so one of the times she she got the show and then um i had to work on the show um and then after we i was producing the show and she pulled me to the side she was like you know i know that you you went for this show and i just want to say your time is coming and i was like oh wow. i felt like oh wow i was mm. like oh wow you didn't have to say that or even to acknowledge that she could have been you know mm. that's nice she could have taken me off the show if she said yeah. i don't want her working there you know yeah, no, that's nice. And it's nice when you, I guess, working with people like that mm-hmm. makes a difference for yeah. sure. So so I've heard a little bit about, you know, obviously your the school and I guess kind of your influence there. But did you have, I guess, did you have an influence before that? So like in your childhood, did you mm. have anyone in your family? Was there anyone in music? Was there anyone that kind of made you, I guess, or encouraged you to kind mm. of pursue that the Brit school and that kind of career? Well, both my parents were create, creative. They were actors. Mm-hmm. That's how they met. They met at drama school when they're seventeen. Um, and then my mom, my mom got pregnant like a year after, and then had me at twenty-one. And then she, you know, he he was acting, and then she moved to London to go to drama school because they were living in Bur- Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were always very sort of creative people. And I think you know, maybe had they not have kids when they did, they would have been, they would have gone on to do you know, amazing things in, in that field um so they were yes yeah, so that uh, everything was music based everything mm. was performance based everything was you know i don't know like eccentric and creative and just you know sometimes we'd be drawing sometimes we'd be singing sometimes we'll be rolling around acting you know and there's sort of no boundaries and then even with like 
my uncles and my aunts and then we're all kind of now we're all similar ages which is really weird yeah. like when you think about it like my my uncle's like 40 you know my aunt's you know 40 my mom's 50 I'm, tw- I'm 29 now so we're all very like close yeah. in um but like, all we do listen to music they'll come round, put music on smoke drink you know oh you, you got the new Eminem I'll bring it round let's tape it or you got the new Alicia Keys okay let's swap it because I've got this and then um my granddad very much into music he played in a band when he was you know before I was even born or mm. before my mom was even born so I think it's just been so like as uh, in our DNA mm. yeah you had that influence yeah and even now we have family gatherings and eventually it will turn into who's got the orcs you know <laughs> I love that though and, and I guess yeah it's always been there for you mm-hmm. you know from from day dot and I know that you are incredibly passionate about young people and about supporting you know the next generation of artists and DJs I heard you say in an interview when you started your internship at BBC that you mentioned that you did all the jobs that you were asked to do mm-hmm. and so you know obviously you've just described as well since then you know that continuation of hard work and graft to kind of you know craftsmanship essentially so where do you think that that work ethic that you have has come from I'm not really sure to be honest I, th- I think I've always worked like even before like I've always had a job mm. like I always wanted to make money <laughs> and not that money is not my driving force but the independence of money is what, what that can give me mm-hmm. you know not necessarily the, cult, the the value of money having money to go shopping but to be like I can do this and I can do that and that's what I want to do with it um, so like I did a paper round at 13 you know like the day the new shopper Mm-hmm. Um, you could get the new shopper, you could get them to deliver to your house, you pull the supplements in, you do that. I Me and my brother was going to split it, we didn't, we just dumped them behind the train station. <laughs> but I did do the, I, I was the paper girl, you know. Then I worked in a theatre at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I, taught, I, I worked seven days a week from, from 17. I always worked seven days a week. We worked in our school club. So I definitely think that work ethic came from, from there. Um, and then in terms of, I guess, applying that when I got to the BBC, I think it was just kind of, I'd read so much online about like how to how to <laughs> how to make yourself invaluable. Like I'd, I'd been to so many seminars and so many, you know, workshops and things like that. That I just was like, you know, it's it's a game, not a game, but it is. I guess mm-hmm. it is a game. And I remember Angelica Bell actually. I went to one conference um, that she was doing, and she was like, she said she said something that I was I found really important. She was like, um, if you're the intern and you've been asked to make tea. Make the tea before we start. Don't 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 do everything but the job that's being asked of you. Like trying to talk to me and trying to give me get me to watch your show real da 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 da. Because people remember you. If you can do the jobs that you've been given at task, people will give you the time to then you know mm. talk to you about you. And I definitely that definitely stuck with me. So I would never like in the studio. Oh, I've been doing this or um, what do you think about that? You know, it was all about giving to the presenter your your full time. And then if you said, oh, can we have a coffee afterwards? They'd be more than happy to because they can see that you're kind of working for them. Mm. It's kind of like a, a you know everyone's got to give to receive. You know, and I think that that definitely I think did me well because it it, it gave me a lot of a lot of good friends and, and and people that I admire that were willing to to vouch for me when the time came. Amazing. I really hope that so many, I'm, I just hope so many people hear this. You know, the whole, everything you're saying yeah. then about how many different jobs, you know, work, 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 it's work. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. It's hard work. And I think often now I see a lot of stuff about, you know, shortcut this and cut corners that, mm. fast track, how can you, you know, hacks, tips. And it's like people want to avoid the hard work. The hard work, yeah. But nothing can replace it. And I, people always say, when you say to someone, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I tell you what sounds like a lot of work. I was watching Top Boy. 
that looks like a lot of work for not a lot of game. Mm -hmm. Like that to me feels like a lot of work. But actual, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else I'll be doing. I've got that kind of mind frame that if I'm not busy or I'm not doing stuff, then then my brain starts thinking, and then I can, and then I think I can easily get depressed or get caught up on on things that wouldn't normally. I, I would get upset upset by. Mm. Um, but even my boyfriend, he went away for like about a month uh, to do some music, and there was no one to tell me to go to bed. So I'd just be like, what, 9 a.m., 2 a.m.? Working, working, I've had an idea, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I definitely kind of now need a balance. Okay, okay. But, you know, even sitting here and listening to you speak, you know, you've got that energy. And yeah. I feel that too. Like, yeah. I'm an energetic person, yeah. so I can relate. Um, and, yeah, it is... You do have to find the balance, but also I think if it's good and it feels good mm. and you're in something, then yeah, yeah I guess, you know, like yeah. I said, you got that energy. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned about going to some seminars and courses. And I, I know that you've talked before about being about still learning. And you said in a Refinery29 interview, you're like, I'm still learning. And that is uh, essential for longevity in the industry. I personally am obsessed with the idea of lifelong learning and skill acquisition. Trust me, I'm always, you know, like similar looking at, you know, talks and workshops and downloadable things and you know I always kind of think essentially every person who I look up to or inspires me or who's high performing or leading in their field is still learning yeah. and is still talking about the importance of learning so can you give the listeners can you give us some advice about when it comes to learning what are some things that people could do and how do you stay well two things motivated and disciplined because yeah. I think initially it's like oh I want to do this but then like you said once you realize the, how much work it is yeah how do you stay disciplined to keep learning I guess I guess the first thing would be to break it down into to tiny to tiny chunks, and I think even when it comes to I guess like learning and learning your craft, I think it's accepting that it's not going to be overnight. This is something that's going to be you know long-winded and it's going to carry on. But if you kind of break it down into chunks, I think that makes it a lot easier. Um, and I really think it's important to learn from others. I think there's no there's no harm in 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 watching your favorite person. You know the people that I I I, I I think that are great at learning. They're watching other people. So where you know, for me, it's being in the DJ booth when someone that I admire is playing. Actually, anyone in the DJ booth it doesn't have, they don't have to be someone that I admire. I love watching other people DJ. I'm like, oh, they did that. Okay, I'm gonna try that when I go home. Yeah. You know, um, listening to other people on the radio. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to be on radio. Okay, what do you listen to? I don't, I don't listen to radio. <laughs> so, but people do. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, and how can you, you know, learn if you don't if you don't even listen or you're not even trying to engage with the task that you want to be? You want to be a presenter, then watch other watch other presenters. You want to make your own podcast, listen listen to other podcasts. Um, so def I think that's definitely a tip. I try to think what else. I mean, the internet is there because I I think I'm more of a, I guess I I learn from doing a lot of it. So I want you to teach me the beginning bits and now let me go on my own. And I'm a solitary learner. I learn okay. best on my own. So for me, learning is being five hours in a DJ room on my own with no phone. Mm, and I can, I can do that a lot. And even when I first started learning how to DJ, I had the decks at home. And I, every night I came home, I just put, deck, put, this, put them on and just go for hours and hours and hours. And I was only mixing the same two songs. <laughs> but, you know, Repetition. I was like, I really need to move move on. Like, <laughs> got this one. Got this one, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I can I can do a set now. <laughs> oh, oh, now, damn, damn, I've got to mix other genres. You know, that was a whole nother um, learning curve. So, yeah, I say, I say break it down into small chunks. I would say watch and learn from others. Um, and then I guess in terms of the, the discipline... Do you think because, you know, you wanted to do that, mm. so obviously you had, like, 
you had the desire and the will. There was no one saying to you, you know what, you need to do four hours of practice today, yeah. four hours of this. Do you know what I mean? Do you think yeah. it's different when it's like, it's your passion you want yeah. it you want to be disciplined because you want to do it yeah I definitely think you have to you have to want to do it and you have to want it and I do wonder how much people really want things what what are you willing to, to do you know how far are you willing to go mm-hmm. to get it and, and, I, and I do I do I do wonder because there are people that I I, I, I smell it when people want it mm. you know it you're like okay I'll see you in 10 years you know yeah you just know it and, I, and then you can you know when people will give you any excuse to to not to not do it as well and it's not that they don't want it they just don't want it that badly at that time, or they don't believe that they can have it, you know. Mm. So I definitely think like that the discipline side of things. I think just comes from, I think comes from sports. To be honest, I think playing football. I played football um, for years and up until I was sixteen. And I think that's what that discipline. You you. It's so when you look at like sports and and working out, it's so easy to see the results of of work, isn't it? How much mm-hmm. work you put in, and then. The result of what that what that gives you. you mm-hmm. The more you practice, the more the better you'll be. The more you, the longer you run, the more fit you'll be. It's very easy to see like the direct correlation. Um, but I think in sort of the more creative things, we we need the con- that the, the hard work is the consistency. And if you do something the same thing or you keep on being consistent for a year, you will see the results. Mm-hmm. And I think the discipline has to you have to have the belief to discipline yourself. Yes, yes. I'll hear it, people. Because like, <laughs> everyone who, if regular listeners of this podcast will know that I'm into sport, I'm into mm. fitness, I'm a runner. And I often relate things back to that all the time. Yeah. But it's like, it is, as you said, such a clear, you know, action and result. And, you know, you kind of, when I always say to people, put the miles in, put the miles mm. in. And yes, I'm talking about running, but it applies to everything. You yeah. know, it applies to any area of your life. As you said, consistency, putting the miles in, it does pay off. Yeah, we have yeah. a thing in radio called Air Miles. And so the longer you're on radio for, the more air miles you have. Um, and when I was trying to come through, they were like, you need to get your air miles up. So I was like, oh, I've got to get my air miles up. I've only got a show that's, um, you know, one, one once a week on Represent. And then just out of nowhere, Represent were like, oh, we're launching a drive time show. We want you to be the drive time presenter. We'll pay for your travel. So it's uh, five days a week. And in my head, I was like, okay, cool. This sounds, this is amazing. This is what I've been thinking, universe, is what I've been asking for. So five days a week, two hours a day, times that by, you know, two hours a day, that's 10 hours a week, times that by a month, times that by a year. If I do that, yeah, that's how many radio, radio miles, air miles are there? And I was like, that's what's going to yep. get me to where I need to get to. Awesome. Okay, so I'd like to talk to you now about about opportunities and about access to the industry. So last year, the UK Music Diversity Report released uh, all the stats and the statistic that only 18% of the UK music industry workforce is BAME. That's increased by 2% from the year before when it was only 16. So it is increasing slowly. But Jams, you've worked in the industry, you know, you've done all of these things that we're hearing about. Do you see that change happening? And what do you think needs to happen to give more access and more opportunity to people of colour and of ethnic minority? I think I'm in a bubble. I think being at one extra, you know, I think yeah. that definitely makes you think that, hold on, you know, not only is it, is it you know, is it is it diverse ethnically, uh, but we have many senior females. Okay. Um, so I think that, that kind of maybe skewered the way I, I saw things. And it wasn't until I went to work in a record label that I was like, oh, I'm the only black person on this team. Mm. And I'm the only female. 
I was like, oh, wow, I was really shocked. Okay. <laughs> and then you start to realise, like, the dynamics and the nuances of, of what that brings. And I do, th and, that, and that record uh, label is really definitely trying to change, and I've been there for a couple of years, and, and it's definitely shifting. The office looks completely different um, to how it looked when I first walked in there three years ago. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think I'm in a skewered bubble. Mm. But the problem that I think is not necessarily the access, because I think that there's a lot of amazing people coming through. I think that... Um, you'd be stupid to run a company now and not understand the need to have diverse voices working for you. It brings you more money. Um, it brings you more more audiences. You know, it, it's, it's, it's stupid to ignore it. Um, but what I feel we have a problem is, is that it's not filtering to the top. Yeah. So we have diversity on this really sort of like... Outward-facing? grass, Yeah, yep. outward-facing, grassroot level, but up the top is, is not diverse at all. Mm -hmm. And we've got a long, I think, many, many years and decades to go until we start to see the, the top being reflected. Um, we've just got a new uh, big boss at BBC, Lorna Clark, and she's a black woman, um, came through uh, working on one extra used to do kiss went to radio too like just bam, 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 worked her way up and like she's like wow like you know yeah. praise me <laughs> she's um, yeah she's there but we, you know, we need more lawners i think because mm, well, i think that's what's gonna incite faster change yeah for sure and it's interesting you know like you said everyone you know outwardly facing i think a lot of industries and a lot of brands and a lot of corporations like outwardly facing you know it, people are like it's changed it's changed so much you know look there's this there's this there's you know women of color there's there's disability there's you know, but it's it, as you said it's very outward facing mm -hmm. and i personally i feel like as soon as you go back maybe one step maybe two maybe three those it starts, are, to it starts to change and it's and it's there's it's a stark contrast mm -hmm. and i feel like that those you know top tiers or whatever it's that's where the decisions happen that's where you know if it doesn't trickle down from there then it's kind of irrelevant, really, what you know, what we see at the front. And I, I think my biggest worry now, I, now when I sort of deep it, and when I was doing uh, DIY Generation, when I was doing the feature, I started to realise that now I can find so many diverse, amazing um, ethnic creatives. Now it's about class. And that's where I feel that we haven't even touched the sides on because mm. there are many people who are Asian, black, Chinese, who are now middle, middle class yep. and educated. Yep. And so will their children be, you know, mm. if you think about all the people that are in the industry now in the next 15 years, even they have kids, it's going to, you know. Yeah. But what about the people that can't afford to, to, to do work experience? Yeah. What about the people that 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 are in a school that doesn't, you know, that doesn't allow for them to see see success? Mm. You know, not because not it's not because it's not around them. And that's what I think is is, is worrying. Yeah, the, the so bri yeah, bridging the gap between mm. the underprivileged. And I think, yeah, I know that within education, there's a lot of kind of uh, spotlight on that right now and saying, you know, th that gap, you know, because it reflects obviously quite clearly in things like attendance, mm. um, in, in in success, in, in grades. Uh, and yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, I guess I don't really know where, where how it's going to, how it's going to change in like yeah. a creative industry perspective. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, things like internships and I guess maybe uh, programs that kind of, specific and reach out you know yeah. what I mean it's probably got it's gonna be a two-way thing right yeah I definitely think you have to reach out I think people you have to be on the ground and you're gonna to have to go into these schools and you're gonna to have to you know pump more pump, pump more money into them and, and have like a direct pipe that comes from 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 those areas into the industry 
Yeah, because I think often the responsibility is put the other way. So it's kind of like, well, you go out and you find it. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's like someone can listen to someone like yourself and be like, you know, look, as, I'd, as I've said, you know, you've worked so hard. So it kind of puts sometimes the responsibility on the individual to say, yeah, go out and yeah. find this, do this, hustle, work harder. But actually, as you said, it's not always even an option to people. They don't even know certain things, paths, you know, that they exist. Or that it could be for them. And if you, talk, you talk about discipline, but what if what if you can't afford to turn your electric on? It's easy to be disciplined when your electric's on. It's easy to mm. p- put your mind on other things. It's not so easy when when you can't even afford the basics, you know? Yeah, And you've got to leave home early. You know, there's so many different factors and I think we definitely, yeah, need to do more work around that. Yeah, definitely. Lots of barriers to, to overcome. Mm. So can you tell us all about DIY Generation? Yeah. Who is it for and how can people get involved? Yeah, so basically, well, we're kind of like in a, in a transitionary in trans- transition. Um, so I started it on the BBC and it was a feature where we speak to young creatives and entrepreneurs about their journey and their path. Um, and I started it because I had a music show on BBC and I had a daytime show on there. And they were like, we, we, we're, you know, one of our presenters is not on anymore. We're missing a kind of like feminine fashion edge. I was like, I ain't going to get that with me. <laughs> I was like, but I can bring you lifestyle. So I made, I come up with this feature. I initially wanted it to be a documentary, but no one, no one took it <laughs> at the time. This is like yeah, five six years ago, um, and we did make a documentary in the end. So we got Great. we got there, um, and then yes, yeah, so we rolled it out as a as a sort of small segment that went out ten minutes on a Sunday, uh, every Sunday for for three years, and then now I've come off weekends on one extra, um, and I kind of yeah want to find a new home for it, and I want to make it a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to write a book. Amazing. You know? Yes. Yeah. It, I, do you know what? If anything, taking it off off air was the best thing I could have done because I actually said to them for so long, give me a podcast. I can make you have launched your new app. Let me make it a podcast. And they were like, it's like, you know, when something's underneath someone's nose. They're like, yeah, could do that. Could do. But what does, does it work in a podcast format? You're like, like, it's ready, it, it's it here, it's already, packaged, ready to go. I'm actually making a podcast and shoving it into radio. It's yeah. not meant to be on radio, it's meant to be a podcast. Um, so I just like, you know what, if anything, actually, I'm really glad that they didn't uh, buy it when they did. Because now, I, you know, um, I can change the name slightly and call it Jam Supernova's DIY Handbook. Um, Amazing. Yeah. This is, is this an exclusive? I feel like yeah, I'm like is, getting actually. the, the lowdown. I haven't this said this publicly. Yeah, Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Now I've got to do it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 2020. Watch this space. Um, but yes, and I want to do a sort of podcast series, uh, slightly tweak the format a little bit and it will be about lessons learned um, and the sort of, you know, stages of success, but the lessons that you learn along the way um, and then hopefully a book yeah that's Amazing. my that's my aim yeah well I'm sure I yeah. can't wait to have a physical copy in Thank my you. hand <laughs> and also three years that you did that you know you must have gained so much insight and heard some oh, I guess yeah. some familiarities between them but mm-hmm. also some yeah just like amazing uh things to draw upon for the book yeah a hundred percent like speaking so many people and like even seeing what they've gone to do gone on to do now it's like my 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 little black book of creatives is extensive you're like okay you want a photographer i've got a photographer for you you want to you know yeah i hear you i hear you i'm nodding along oh mm-hmm. excited for you thank you Cool. And so I'm going to talk to you about the Power Hour. This is the Power Hour podcast. And on this show, I mean, I love to hear about how and why people do what they do, Mm. what they're passionate about. And I get inspired by what gets people out of bed in the morning, basically. I'm an early bird. People who listen to the show know I'm an early riser. But Jams, you are a DJ, a broadcaster. Mm. You work into the early hours of the morning. So... Firstly, how do you switch off if you're working, you know, super late into the morning? And what time do you go to bed and what time do you wake up? Uh, I'm not a morning person. Okay. And I don't think I'll actually... Was you a morning person before you had a, a, a child? 
Uh, was I? You know what? Not as early as now. Like okay. now I'm like a 5.30 every day. <laughs> I know. But I don't know. I'm trying to think now before I had to. It feels like such a long time ago. My yeah. son is eight okay, years yeah. old. So I don't really remember <laughs> a life years before. Eight human the... alarm clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always had energy in the morning. I've yeah. never been the person who's like, oh no, like I can't get out of bed or give me coffee. I always, once I'm up, I'm up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going. I'm a snoozer. Really? I snooze <laughs> and snooze. I'd set 10 alarms. I sleep very deeply as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, an, I'm not an early riser at all and I do go to bed quite late um, so I probably go to bed around I go to bed around 2am um, and I but now I've been this year I've been trying I read somewhere that successful people you know have routine mm-hmm. and especially in the structure. morning structure yeah. yeah and I don't really have much routine my routine is dependent on what's in my diary and before I used to wake up according to what the first thing was in the diary okay so like before I would have woken up I'm meant to be here at 12 okay I'm going to get up at half 10 because that'll give me enough time to get ready and get on the train. Like, that's how I, oh, I've got to be somewhere at one, or I'll get up at 11, you sure. know. Um, and I'm really trying to, this year, I've been really trying to have some consistency of when I wake up. So I try and wake up at 8.30. Mm-hmm. I get out of bed normally 9.30. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it works. An hour of snooze. Yeah, snooze, phone. Chill. Lying, screaming, yeah, let me, let me alone. You know, have a coffee, have some breakfast. But... Breakfast is really important mm-hmm. now for me. I never used to have breakfast either. Okay. Um, and this year I was like, no, I need to have breakfast first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, but what gets me out of bed, I think, is just that I love what I do. Like, my life is really fun. Yeah. And I'm, but I've purposely built that life. I've decided, I said to myself, I want a career that is fun. I want, I want, to, I want everything I do to be fun. I don't want nothing to be, you know, too serious or too heavy. And I think that's what genuinely gets me up because there's nothing in my diary that's like, Ugh. even the mundane stuff, the admin side of things. I know that it's the flip side to the because the fun's on the other side of it. Yes. So that's what I think really gets me out of bed. But yeah, routine I think is something that I'm a massively was like against before because mm-hmm. I was always was a, I've always been a freelancer. So even when I worked for the BBC behind the scenes, I was freelancing, but I'd work like seven days. It was all unorthodox times, but I liked that because I was picking and choosing. So when I got my show, I kind of I was like, well, now I've got I've gone from working seven days a week to working having one show a week. What do I do? You know, and for yeah. the first couple of months, I just was like in bed till three every day, which is like ridiculous. It's not sustainable. Mm. Um, and then my friend was like, right, you need to like set some set some things in place. Um, but I think what gives me structure now is putting the gym in. I was just about to ask you that when yeah. you said you started to have I was thinking here we go so she's getting up at 8.30 now Yeah, she's added breakfast in now yeah. I was thinking yeah. next one I'm going to hit you with is movement I was like does she have you know yeah tell us you hit the gym now yeah but not necessarily always in the morning Okay, so I will be like right I've got a personal trainer on a Monday um, that's been a, she's been a, a real sort of godsend um, and then this is the longest that I've been consistent in the gym before I used to be like three months bam 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 fall off in summer oh it's September be on it for a month, that's my birthday, that's long. And then it's Christmas, and then January, bam, 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 you know, yeah. and that was the cycle. Um, but this is the longest that I have consistently worked out for, mm-hmm. and I think it's having her. So we meet on a Monday, train for an hour, and then I try and fit in three, three other sessions. Amazing. And so now that you, you know, that all or nothing thing that you described is most people's experience mm-hmm. of gym or exercise or running, they kind of yo-yo between, as you said, like I'm on it for two weeks, then I'm off, then I'm mm-hmm. on. So now that you've been consistent, how has it, have you felt an impact, a change? Yeah, just mind, for my mind, I think, definitely have had le- like less anxiety, 
um, definitely like less 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 down down moments because as great as we we can be like we're so Mel- <laughs> can get melancholy yeah, yeah and then all the other one day we're like we're the best everyone love us and then we're like ah, everyone hates us <laughs> you know it can really sort of yo-yo but the yo-yo in this year has been less intense I would right. say um, and I've been able to get back out of out, out of it quicker and I think that's through through working out mm-hmm. and switching off you said like when when do you switch off and I think the gym I don't, I don't really have my phone with me mm. if I'm doing a class or if I do it, or it gives me time to like zone and I start doing weights and I never would have touched the weights area ever like I would have been like oh I don't want to get my hench or yeah. um, or I just don't even know how they work yeah. and now my personal best is like deadlifting um, 93 kilos come on I know Yes. I'm like, wow, I can like lift myself and more. Yes. <laughs> Ten times. Which is important if you fall in a hole. Yes. I keep telling people this. They always laugh. I'm like, you know that actually yeah. it's this health, basic health and safety, guys. You need to be able to save to yourself. To save your own self, yeah. Yeah, if people can't lift your own body weight. Yeah, it's true. I thought of it like that. Yeah. Well, now I can, yeah. yeah can. Um, but definitely, that's been. I just think that's been so helpful. And obviously, you know, I guess with the body side of things, I haven't really like, I've started off as a sort of, um, I started off as as a, as a vanity Really? Yeah, because I was like, oh, I put on on a bit of weight and that's why I got the trainer. But then it's kind of made me more in tune with my body. So like we we have weigh-ins, but it's not about the weight, but it's about the choices that I've made, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. So like the first three three months I'd lost quite a bit of weight and then I was like <laughs> and then I was like back into my old ways again party time yeah basically and then three months later I'd put it back on and, and more and it wasn't like necessarily like uh about the weight it was about that I hadn't even though I'm working out I'm undoing a lot of it with the food choices sure. uh, and drink choices that I make um so that's been helpful I think and, and keeping on track mm. um Maybe accountability too, you know, like you said, having the trainer yeah. and it sounds like you have like, you know, you enjoy training with her, you have a good mm-hmm. relationship I love, with I love her. her yeah. yeah, and I think that makes a big difference. You yeah. know, I used to train a lot of clients one-to-one, not so much anymore, but, you know, if you've got a good relationship with someone, you feel like you're almost like you're in it together mm-hmm. and you want to do it with them and, you know what I mean? I definitely think for a lot of people, even after a like I shouldn't say this as a trainer but after a while I was like you don't need me anymore yeah. like you know what you could do like I can give you the program but they're like no I still no, need you and yeah, they I need, need that you. accountability yeah. yeah and now I've got a life coach as well yeah. so like now I feel like this year I was like you know I'm I'm 20 I'm turning 29 I'm going to like real life adulthood grown. I'm gro- I'm there's growth here <laughs> yes. yeah so I got a life coach um cuz I tried therapy mm. and that didn't I mean I'm, I wouldn't rule out therapy and I probably will go back to therapy mm. um but at that mo- in that moment of time I don't really care about the past. Yeah. At that yeah. moment, I was more focused. Looking about, forwards. Yeah. Yeah. And so there wasn't. I didn't really feel like I could really con- connect with her. Maybe I had the wrong therapist. I will definitely try again. Mm. But now I've got. I've had a life coach, which I've been starting this year. Had, uh, had her since um, March. She's looked. She helped. Has helped a lot of routine. Yeah. Because she'll be like, she likes to know what the week looks like, and yep. then we'll come up with okay, but this now you're adding this into the mix. What will your week look like? And she'll be like to me. So when's your rest day? I mean, like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, there's a morning here. She's like, no, but when's your rest day? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so she's been really cool. And again, the accountability and I think the the sort of like, again, getting you up in the morning because you know you've got such an extensive list to do, but it's, it feels manageable because mm. she's made it feel manageable. And I have a manager um, and we, you know, do a lot of that stuff. But this, it's, it's nice to have someone that's completely fo- removed. Yeah, She's not nothing to do with monetary, you know, or anything like that or... Yeah. 
uh, she's completely separate. Mm. No, it sounds great. And I think, I think you know, it's amazing if you can have those things, but mm. even without those things, you know, that thing between being creative and then having structure, I think sometimes people think that they're two separate things they can't combine. Yeah. But actually, I think it's essential. You know, if you look at your whole week, as you said, she wants to see the whole week mm. because that's like, you know, there's 168 hours in a week and it's like, well, when, how are you spending that time? And I think sometimes an exercise that I found super useful was to have like a, that sounds so lame, but it was like a, almost like a colour coordination. So it's like, yeah. if say, say for example, if green is rest and then white is, um, I don't know, work and then red is... I don't know, this is a bad example, but like orange is fun, okay? You can soon start to see when your whole week is white, you're like, I'm working and doing nothing else. Or if it's all orange, you're like, oh, I'm having a great week. It's just fun, 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 fun. But it's like figuring it out, like you said, as a whole picture. Because often we can, and personally, I can just be like, say yes, say yes, say yes. I Mm -hmm. love to say yes to things, to people. I love people. I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. I can be there. I can, and then it's, yeah. yeah. And then suddenly you're like, there's not, there's no time left yeah, like yeah. all that time is accounted for so yeah gosh a life coach a manager the PT yeah, yeah, this yeah. is your year jam yeah outsourcing <laughs> um, and also she makes me reflect and that's something that I hadn't done before or done enough she'd be like how was last week I'd be like oh no but in my and in my head actually in my head I only want to talk about next week yeah but she makes me pause and be like and I, and I, and I sometimes get frustrated it doesn't matter about last week. Yeah, last done. week was last Fine. week. Yeah. But I know that it's an important process to talk about last week because otherwise to me last week didn't happen. It's gone. I need to take that. I'm taking that for myself. Yeah. I need to take that one. On that note, do you have a challenge for the listeners? So I ask the mm. guests to give the listeners a power hour challenge, something they can try this week, they can let us know. And it could be for an hour, it could just be five minutes. But yeah, do you have a challenge for us? Yeah, okay. So this is what I do. Again, I'm not like always consistent with it. So I'm not selling it, right? I'm not really selling it, am I? No, I'm not really consistent with it. But every time I am consistent with it, I know it's a change in my life. Um, and that is to write. 10 things you're grateful for, your gratitude list every single night. And I would say, try it, even just try it for a month. Set yourself a 30-day challenge of every time before you go to bed, writing 10 things you're grateful for. You can write it on your phone. You can actually, I like to write it out, uh, like actual real writing mm-hmm. in a notebook. Um, and I, it, it can change your like mental frame. It can it can it can open you up to opportunities, um, you know, because you don't have to just write. You can You can be grateful for things that are on their way. Yeah, you know, and it could be, and some people are like, oh, but you know, I got my little brother to do it when he was having some um, some some mental health problems during the summer. He was really depressed and down, and I'd get him to send me ten things every day, and you start to see the change. Like he was like, I don't have time to be grateful for. I was like, well, let's just start with, you can see, you can walk, you can, you, you got you got a roof over your head, you got food in your fridge. Let's start with the real life basics, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then slowly you start to see that they start being thankful for other things or. Or, or feelings or of other people and you know I think that's that's definitely a challenge that I'll give to you yes thank you so much I've definitely done that in the past before um, and I do it with my son as well and it's oh. really really powerful yeah. so yeah I need to get back to it as well awesome and my closing question for you Jams I can't believe it's gone so I quick I know it's been really fun really quick really fun but my closing question I asked every single guest on the show uh, is about time it's the power hour and I believe that uh, time is the most valuable thing that we all have mm. you, it's the most valuable thing you can give to another person so thank you for giving us all an hour of your time of so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you do you know what I I think the most valuable thing that time has taught me is patience and I was having this conversation with my other little brother last night and I've always I want it and I want it right now 
and I've never gotten it right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that time has taught me to be patient because I, I don't know what people believe in. Some people believe in God and I believe like more in the universe. But I don't think the universe doesn't give you nothing until you're ready, you know. So the the time that it takes to get what you want is teaching teaching you the patience and, te- and making you a better person so that when it does arrive, you'll be ready for it. So if I'd have got the radio show that I wanted on One Extra when I turned up when I was 19, I'd be, I probably wouldn't be sitting here, I probably still wouldn't be in the industry or I wouldn't know who I was, you know, I would have been, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person that I am now, I might not be a nice, as, as nice as I am, I might be a mean person, you never know. Um, and I think that, 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 it, I'm glad that happened and I'm glad I got it when I got it because I got it when I was ready. So I think, yeah, time has taught me patience. Wow. Thank you so, so much. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, then please, you can share it, you can rate, you can review on iTunes, all of that good stuff. And Jams, I almost forgot to ask you, where can we find you online? Oh, um, just Jams Supernova on everything. J-A-M-Z-S-U-P-E-R-N-O-V-A. So I'm across all the platforms on that, even SoundCloud and things like that. Um, and obviously you can type, you can catch me on One Extra every Tuesday night um, from 9pm. Um, catch me DJing maybe in a city yeah, near you're you. Nice. Yeah, yeah, got my uh, club nights happening. Check out my label, Future Bounce. But yeah, I'm I'm there online. You will find jams, and you just need yeah. to type in jams, and you will find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, at the Supernova. Start just start writing the S, yeah. the U, and then it'll come and up. It comes up. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 